going to be a little different sermon than what you're used to from me, but, but we're, we're walking through these 40 days together and you're going to hear sermons on Sunday morning that correlate with what you study throughout the week and what you're praying about and all those things. So, so we're going to dig into it this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says, we are not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. Instead, we are meant to hold firmly to the truth and love and to grow up in every way into Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, you are kicking off something in us over the next 40 days that's going to change our lives. It's going to be a dramatic shift for some people, Lord. It's going to be a reinforcement for others. But God, nonetheless, I pray that at the end of these 40 days, we'd all be different. And God, as we, as we dig in and learn how to communicate with you better, how to hear you, how to talk with you, Lord, I pray that you do miracles in our lives. I pray that you change us. And Lord, more than just changing us, I pray that you change the people around us because we know you better. Pray that our circumstances will be different, our relationships will be different. I pray because we dig into your word and we pray, God, that miracles would come. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. 40 days in prayer. For some of you, this is going to be a reinforcement of what you may already know. For others, you're going to kick off a new journey in life of prayer. Either way, I'm excited about it. Prayer is, a, prayer is something that God has given us to be able to communicate with him. And Jacob says, I know you're the God that answers prayer. So we're going to kick off today the... Um, the whole idea of the necessity to grow. Because what happens, especially as adults, uh, we, can, we can run the risk of, of, stop, of stop growing. We can run the risk of not growing anymore. And, and if you're like me, I'm actually shrinking. Somebody, I told somebody the other day I had an aversion table that I started uh, getting on every now and then and I'm 6'2 when I get off of it for about 30 seconds, <laughs> and then I'm 5'9 again. So I went to the doctor, and I put 5'11 on my uh, driver's license. That's not a lie. I was 5'11 at one time. Um, but I went to the doctor's, and he said I was 5'9. And I don't believe him or go to him anymore. <laughs> but as adults, we can kind of settle in, and we get our information from the same place. We get we, we get into a routine, and before we know it, we can stop learning. We know enough to do what we need to do on a daily basis, and, and we just uh, perform our duties, and, and we stop learning. They say when you get in, in your older years that it's even more important to, to keep learning and learning to keep your brain active. And it helps with memory, and it helps with all kinds of things, and so you have to read, and you have to read. And I tell people all the time, I remember in my early 20s, being a guy that said, well, I don't read. And the, that wasn't really true. I just only read things I wanted to read. Comics and um, <laughs> really short little things and stuff like that. But I had a guy tell me in my early 20s, I was about 24, 25 years old, that readers lead and leaders read. 
And I'd never heard that before. And he said, if you think that you're going to lead a group of people and not be an avid reader, then you can forget it. And so I set out on a journey to read books, even about things that I didn't like. And, um, and found out that I didn't like them at the beginning, but found out I might have liked them after I got done reading the book. And so God in no part or no point in your relationship with Christ is he satisfied with you being stagnant. This relationship is not like some marriages you may be in or some other relationships where it's just been kind of flatlined for a long time. God continually wants to increase you. He continually wants to grow you. He continually wants you moving to the next level and the next level and the next level. It's like having a boss that always wants to give you a promotion. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> he constantly wants to see you grow to the next level. And so we're going to cover these, some spiritual growth laws here, six of them, spiritual growth laws. And we're going to dig into them and I'm going to give you my own little twist on them. Is that all right? We grow when we feed on God's word. Now, what did I just say? It's impossible. I think it's impossible to grow unless you're intaking information. Um, one thing I found is people get really boring when they tell the same stories over and over again. And I have to be so careful because I do that up here. But my hope is there's enough new people to counteract the people that have already heard it before. And so there's 50% of you that have already heard it before and you're sitting around like, dude, really? You said that last year. But there's 50% of you that weren't here last year, so you're like, that's a great story. And so then I look at the other 50% to be quiet. They never heard it. But God, we, God intends for us to ingest information so that we can then grow. And he's not just talking about the new episodes on a TV show. He's talking about important life-changing things. How much time are we spending ingesting information that will actually change our lives? How much time do we spend taking in things that will actually have a drastic difference in our lives after we take them in? Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus, people need more than bread for their lives. Somebody say, cut the bread out. That was before low-carb diets. I'm just letting you know that. Jesus didn't know about low-carb diets. People need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. It says, Paul, the word of grace is able... Yeah, Paul writes, the word of grace is able to build you up and to give you all the blessings that God has for his people. So here's the thing. Blessing comes from hearing the word or ingesting it. So when you read, you hear it in your mind, right? Everybody shake your head yes. Some people are like, I read, but I don't hear anything, man. I just like, read out loud then, then you'll hear it. He says, as we ingest God's word, it's the blessing on our life. It creates blessing in our lives. So, so here's the thing. The uncanny part about God's word is that even if you don't know it and you do it, it still brings blessing to your life. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like there's principles in scripture that are true no matter what you do. No, no matter if you come to church or not come to church, principles are true. If you treat people with love and grace and mercy, then you'll be treated, then you'll be treated better. Amen. You'll have better relationships. Well, that doesn't just apply to if you're saved, if you're not saved. So here's the thing. Paul is saying these are principles in God's word that if we know them and apply them, 
how much more we're gathering together a church on Sunday morning. Amen? So how much more should we be ingesting and applying God's word into our life? So it's the first, first spiritual growth law that we have to take it in in order to apply it. Now the danger is, is that you just take it in and don't apply it. James talks about that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like getting an, getting an Ikea box. Lord, help us all. It's like in the Ikea box, sitting down reading the whole instruction manual and then deciding you're not going to follow it. So you know what I say to people like that? You've created your own frustration. Well, let's back up. You created your own frustration by shopping at Ikea. That's number one. Every time I go in there, my heart, I get palpitations and I'm like, can we just get something that doesn't need put together? You go down to the warehouse and you're like, I want to buy a couch. It comes into a box like this big. And you're like, Where, where's the couch? He's like, no, 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 you got to put it together. Like the cushions? So, so here's what happens. It's God's word that we hear and we read and we apply to our, we apply to our life. So we get the instruction manual about how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat people at work, how we, how we handle money, how we handle grief and how we handle success and how we handle all kinds of things. And then it's, and then when we get that information, we can grow in those areas by applying it to our lives. Amen. So we have to be, we have to be hearers of God's word and doers of God's word. So there's a little, there's six little things we're going to do throughout this 40 days. We're going to hear God's word. Amen. That's what you're doing this morning. You're hearing God's word. We're going to read God's word. Amen. Hey, listen, you can get, you go to you version, the Bible app on your, on your iPhone or your Android. If you're still using a flip phone, you can't get it, but they do make a paper Bible still. So that's really good. You can have it alert you every day. It'll alert you, read God's word. Here, they'll even tell you what scriptures to read. Man, modern day technology is crazy. You used to have to remember that on your own. Yeah, and you have to turn a page. Such work to read God's word. I don't know how they did it all those years. We're gonna hear God's word, we're gonna read God's word. And then more than read, we're going to study God's word. What does it mean? The application part. How does that scripture apply to my life where I am? Just talked to somebody this morning. I want to make sure as a church that when you get mad leaving the parking lot. Come on, I know some of you. You're mad when you leave the parking lot. Why can't you just be quiet in church? Screaming at your kids like I do. It's not funny. It's true. So we're going to study to be able to apply those things to our lives so we're not screaming at our kids when we leave the parking lot. We're going to memorize God's word. You know why it's so important to memorize God's word? Because you're going to get hit in life and not have a Bible beside you. That's why it's important. Because life happens. Now, I just said that, but you got a cell phone all the time. And you got Google. And Google's really good at finding scriptures. We're going to memorize it though. Then we're going to meditate on it. Meditation just means, Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about what you said to me. Have you ever had your spouse or, or somebody that you care about send you a card or something? 
and it was just like a really nice card. You just thought about it all day. You're like, man, that's, a, that's just awesome. You ever have your wife send you something you just thought about all day? Like a checklist? <laughs> no, one of those loving things, you know, like your husband ever sent you flowers and you thought about them all day. Well, listen, God's word says things to you that are worth thinking about all day. Like when you're full of anxiety, that, that he doesn't give me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, I might not have time to look that scripture up. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. I might have time to look that scripture up, but when anxiety hits me, I've, I've heard God's word, I've read God's word, I've, I've studied God's word, I, I've, I've, I've memorized God's word, and so, so now, when life hits, I got it. It's who I am. And you apply it. So when I'm anxious at work and I've done all those things, then I can say, hey, listen, I don't have to be anxious because if I keep my mind fixed on him, the author and finisher of my faith, he is alone, the only one able to handle all this stuff I'm dealing with. So I don't have to be anxious at work. Now I can put a smile on that face even while the jerk's standing in front of me. We're going to do that during these 40 days. We're going to take these action steps. We're going to hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, and apply those things to our lives. So we, we grow when we feed on God's word. The second thing, we grow when we learn in different ways. Now this is one of my favorite things. We grow when we learn in different ways. How many of you, um, let, let, me, let me say this. How many of you learn by listening? You can hear something and remember it. Raise your hand again. Okay, okay. How many of you learn by watching? That's why I got the TV on all the time, I get it. You're learning. <laughs> but you're visual. You're gonna, you can watch somebody do something and then you got it. YouTube is great for that. How many of you learn by talking? You're gonna talk it out. Yeah? You're all the people that talk to yourselves. I hear you. The older I get, the more I talk to myself. You know what? The, that's why it's important not to cuss. Because if you talk to yourself, you'll forget and you'll start cussing out loud. And, and people just hear you cussing at yourself. Keep it clean. All right, then how many of you learn by actually doing it? Okay, can we just stop here for a second? Because I learned by doing things. Okay, how many of you just jump right into it? You just tear it up, and then and other people are tripping out like, you just broke it. No, I'm learning. <laughs> you step back, I'm learning. The first house we moved into was an old house on John Street in Martinsburg. It was a duplex, and, um, and, and I was 20 years old. I barely even owned any tools. I was gonna remodel that bathroom. <laughs> so I go in, and just like anybody that learns that way, come on, you guys had to support me. Anybody that learns that way, here's what I did. I walked into the bathroom, and I just cut the copper pipes off under the sink. <laughs> that sink's gotta come out, those copper pipes gotta go. Just cut them off, shunk. So I thought, I'm smart, I'll take a piece of it to Lowe's, because those guys are smart. So I take it in there and the dude looks at me and goes, they don't even make pipe like that anymore, kid. 
okay. <laughs> Did I tell you this is a rental? It's not even my house. <laughs> it's only got one bathroom. Hey, baby, you're going to be brushing your teeth in the sink in the kitchen from now on. So I had to learn how to fix it. <laughs> so fortunately, it worked out. There was some galvanized pipe under it that I could unscrew the copper pipe that nobody made anymore. And, uh, and, and we got it fixed. But that's the way I learned. Tear it up and then come up with a solution. Can I get some support this morning for that? I think that's genius. Because guess what? I know how to fix it now. I know how to, if I broke it, I can fix it. So, so far, so far. This is really important. I want you to hear me, church. Because for a long time, the church did this. For a long time, the church put everybody in one box and said, you should learn this way. Uh, educationally, our society did that for a long time. We put everybody in one box thing and get this, and everybody learns the same way, everybody does the same thing, and we're gonna all just be cookie cutters in the way we learn, and the church did that for a long time. The church said, this is the way everybody learns. You should all wake up in the morning and pray at five o'clock. Amen? <laughs> oh my. But we learn in different ways. Luke 3, 18 says, in many different ways, John preached the good news to the people. Why did he do that? Because people get it different ways. People understand scripture different ways. They, we don't just all ingest it the same, the same way. We don't, don't all learn the same way. Job 33, 14 says, God speaks in different ways and we don't always recognize his voice. So he's constantly talking to you differently through different circumstances. We have different learning styles. When I, early on when I be, became a pastor, uh, I used to feel guilty all the time because I would hear old guys talk about the favorite chair in their living room. And, uh, and they would get up before the, before the sun came up and they would go out and spend this time with God in their favorite chair. I think they were sleeping. Um, but they would go out and they, they had this routine. And it, when I would hear them, it sounded like everybody was doing the same thing. And I don't know about you, but, but if I get up at four o'clock in the morning to pray, I'm falling asleep. Because God's not that interesting at four o'clock in the morning. Let's be honest. How many of you can get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray? Show off. <laughs> so are you guilty if you don't do that? See, my issue was I felt guilty. First of all, I didn't have a favorite chair. Still don't. Still don't. The chair I have in my living room, I hate, but my wife likes it and you got to make some concessions in life. I have a garage. She hates it. I'll trade that garage for a chair every day, man. You got to know where to give and take. So, so here's, here's the issue. I have a problem because I would think like this. Man, he's got this perfect environment to pray and he's got a chair that faces south and the sun comes up and, and he's got this beautiful, and it's just the God describes it. I don't have any of that. And so I'm going to go out in my living room, sit in a chair I hate and try to pray to a God that's trying to keep me awake. I don't understand. And then I would get frustrated because the reality was I learned different than that guy. I prayed different than that guy. I prayed at a different time than that guy. 
And so I'm not guilty or any less of a Christian because I didn't get up at four o'clock in the morning. Some might say, amen. amen. Thank you. So if I read my Bible at night, I'm not any less of a Christian than somebody wakes up early to read it. Amen. The only thing is, is I'm ingesting the same word that he's ingesting. I just, we just have to give each other grace enough to do it at different times and different ways. One of the things we were, um, a couple of us were, were in a meeting. It was a big, it was called Catalyst One Day. We were in Pennsylvania at a giant church that has a slide going down to the kids area. That's how you check in. You're like, just set your kid on the slide and go, see you after church. And um, they go down to the lower level. It's crazy. We're not getting that in our church. No slides. That's dangerous. Way dangerous. I heard if I said this guy's name, everybody would know who he's associated with. Mega pastor global reach. There was two guys there. The other guy you may know, but the other guy was like this, is known for this massive amount of discipline in his life. Uh, and they, start, they, they were doing this little question and answer thing and they asked him, they asked the first guy who's really, really disciplined. So what's your, what's your prayer life look like? Well, I wake up in the morning, I pray the same thing. I stand in front of the mirror and I say, you're gonna make it today, God's for you today. And, and he just had this whole list of things that he told himself and, 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 he, and the, I pray for this and I pray for this and I pray for this and I do this and I do that and I spend this much time and he could just bang, 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 bang. And you could feel everybody in the room going, oh man. There's all pastors in the room. We were all like, jeez, who can keep up with that? I'll wake up in the morning and go, you got to do it again, dummy. Come on, do it again. Wake up. The next guy who was in his 60s and has led a global ministry, they asked him and he went, ha, ha, I'm not that disciplined. I pray while I run. And in that moment, I thought, is there one better than the other? One guy's wired one way, one guy's wired another way. The guy in his 60s likes to put headphones in and run, and if he's a slow runner, he could pray for hours. <laughs> but he prays while he runs because, because he said, listen, I've just figured out over the years that if I sit in my living room and try to pray, it doesn't work as well as if I'm just out running. So you know what I say about this? Go run. Go sit in the woods. Just make sure it's your property. Go, go. If you've got a favorite chair, sit in the favorite chair. If you've, got, if you've got a spot in your bedroom where you kneel down every night and it fits you, do that. If, if, you've got, if, if you've got a routine where you get up in the morning and you get on the treadmill or you go down and, and you do some weird, worthless workout program you, and, and you pray while you're doing that, do that. If you get up in the morning and do yoga and you, and you pray to God and you, and you hear his voice in the morning while you're doing yoga, then do that. Just do it though. And the freedom that you have is that God did not wire us all the same, but God is infinitely able to talk to us all at the same time. God doesn't have to talk to you the way he talks to me. And God doesn't have to talk to me the way he talks to you. He can communicate exactly how you need to hear it, when you need to hear it. Amen? 
So that's the confidence we have, that if we pray, that he can understand our language, that he can understand how you talk, that he can understand how you pray, that he understands with no guilt that you've got to run and pray because you've you got the mind of a squirrel. He made you with that. He's looking at Peter, he's like, this dude can't, can't think past four minutes, man. He's gotta run, I'm so thankful he's running. We grow when we learn in different ways. Whether it's 4 a.m. or 9 p.m., what does it matter? Come on, that should be freeing for some of you. You're trying to fit into a box that wasn't shaped like you. Three, we grow when we develop spiritual habits. Anybody got a habit in here? Raise your hand. Everybody's got habits. You do them every morning and your wife still doesn't like it. You do it every morning. Habits are just the things that you do all the time without thinking about it. It's just the routine. It's just the everyday. It's the, I have a habit of driving with my left hand so I can text with my right. I have a habit of getting up about the same time every morning whether my alarm goes off or not. Because I know that because Saturdays are the most annoying day of the week. Because you think, man, I might sleep in a little bit, and then you're like, whoa! Set my alarm. Habits. The issue is your character is the sum total of your habits. The character you have, the, the, what you, who you are at the core of who you are is a total sum of the habits that you have. Because if habitually you take in junk, then, then your habits will cause you to be junk, right? If, if you take in good stuff, it, it's like I, ha I had a habit of eating a lot of sugar. And boy, the Bible's right when sin is pleasurable for a season. It was so fun. So I don't know about you, but they say gaining weight is, not, is bad. I had fun doing it. It was fun sitting at the table eating whatever I wanted and whatever quantity I wanted was fun. Everybody hates the person like, I can't have any more of that. No, you know, trying to watch it. Shut up. It's Thanksgiving. Eat the turkey and dressing. Stop being better than me. No, so I enjoyed it. I had a habit of eating everything, and I actually got into a habit of eating everything in between everything. I got into a habit of every time I stopped at Sheets or something, I'm like, I'm getting the shareable pack of peanut M&Ms, and, and I ain't sharing them with nobody but me. And so I would do that over and over. Like I'm getting gas, I need peanut M&Ms. You can't, you can't have one without the other. And so I would get a Pepsi that has 30 carbs and a pack of peanut M&Ms that have 7,000 carbs and I would just eat them on a regular basis. And I've told you some of you this before, I would eat three giant bowls of cereal before I went to bed. It was fun. It was a habit that I couldn't break. It was a habit. And so I became the results of my habits. Uh, I, I gained weight. I was heavier than I'd ever been. Uh, I snored. How far am I going to let them into my life? Okay. I snored. I had heartburn real bad. 
And, uh, and I was the guy that never went to the doctor, got blood work done. I still don't think it's worth it. So I, I about uh, last year, I was go- going on a trip to Africa to get some uh, malaria medication, some medication to keep me from getting sick and all that stuff. And, and so I'm just thinking I should be able to call the guy. I'm perfectly healthy, and he should just be able to give me a, 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 a prescription. But doctors have this thing where they want to see you. And so um, he said, no, you're going to have to come in. So he said, when's the last time you got blood work? I'm like, huh? <laughs> Why would a guy like me get blood work? I eat four bowls of Lucky Charms before I go to bed. Obviously, my blood's fine. <laughs> so he said, um, we're going to get some blood work done. He gets the blood work back, and he instantly says, I'm putting you on medication. I'm like, what? So I said, no, I'm not taking the medication. And he just looks at me, and I said, I think I control with my diet. I said, you have no idea how many carbs I eat. I eat, I eat so much sugar, it's not funny. And he said, I'm telling you, you have to change everything. You have to change everything. He said, you can't just cut out a little bit of bread. You have to change everything. And so what you realize is my habits had produced something in my life that was unhealthy. So if you habitually get mad at certain things, you might want to see the doctor. Because because you need to change everything because character is the sum total of your habits. And so what I found out was when I changed my eating habits, my, my body improved and my relationships improved because I don't snore anymore. So I went back to the doctor six weeks later and he went, what are you doing? I lost 20 pounds. All my numbers were all the way in the bottom. My good numbers were high. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just doing what I told you to. What, this never works? Like, why are you shocked? You're the one told me to do it. And he said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. And so what I realized was, I am the sum total of my habits. Whatever I habitually do day after day after day has an impact on my life. And so if we're going to grow, it's natural that we're going to have to change some of our habits. Do you have a habit of being anxious? Do you have a habit of being angry? Do you have a habit of overeating? Do you have a habit of overspending? Do you have a habit of not praying? Do you have a habit of not reading your Bible? Do you have a habit of binge watching too much Netflix? I think that was a double entendre. Binge watching too much. We grow and we develop spiritual habits. So you can't say you have a quality of kindness unless you habitually practice kindness. Amen? You're like, I'm kind on Wednesdays. No, you habitually practice. Man, that's the kindest person I've ever met. You know why? Because they're consistently kind. It's a habit. Now, here's the bad part. It takes about six weeks to create a new habit. Some of you are like, ooh, that's a lot of work. Six weeks to create a new habit. So that means you're not going to be able to do something today that's new and then just expect it to be natural tomorrow. There's going to be a pain process that is associated with it. Remember what I said at the beginning? There is no growth without pain. And so do you know how bad it was to see my 15-year-old Sonny Lucky Charms in front of me because they have no passion, compassion whatsoever in my household? He would pull the spoon up slow to his mouth and let the milk drip out. And he would just eat it and eat it and eat it. And I would have to be disciplined enough to not eat it. 
Habits don't form overnight. John 3, 13, 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you practice them over and over and over. It's a habit. What happens when you practice good habits? You grow up. Then your parents start giving you the habit of brushing your teeth. Do you think about it? Do you have to leave the house and go, oh, I forgot again. How about the habit of putting deodorant on? Or do you just walk out and you're like, oh, I forgot. You can't remember? No, it's a habit. How about a habit of putting your clothes on? You walk out and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot again. <laughs> your parents raised you with putting these things into practice so they're second nature. You don't think about it anymore. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you practice them. Hebrews 5.14, solid food is for mature people whose minds have been trained by practice. You have to know the difference between good and evil. 1 Corinthians 9.25, all good athletes train hard and practice to get better. They do it to win a prize that won't last, but we practice to win a prize that will last forever. We're not practicing for no reason. We're practicing to live forever. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, 47. I think that's up on the screen. Every day the believers had the habit of meeting together in temple courts to worship together and also in their homes for fellowship. They ate together and celebrated with happy and thanks, thankful hearts. They praised God and the whole community liked what they saw in these people. As a result, the Lord added to their groups daily as their neighbors are being saved. Hey, you know what's cool? You know what's cool is this. When you get in the habit of coming to church, it stops being a question. Are we going to go this morning? No. Well, why is it? A, well, that's just what we do. It's a habit now. On Sunday morning, I just get up. I'm the pastor, but there's that. <laughs> but, you know, I just look at my kids like, hey, we're just going to church. So we get in the habit of doing good things. Joshua 1.8 says, always remember what is written in the book. Read it and think about it every day and be sure to obey everything in it. And if you do this, you will be prosperous and successful in your life. How do I be prosperous and successful? By applying God's word and making it a habit in my life every day, day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. All right, you ready? The fourth thing. So three things so far. We grow when we feed on God's word. We grow when we learn in different ways and we grow when we develop spiritual habits. All right, the fourth thing. We grow when we help each other grow. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. When I get home, I'm going to tell my husband, he's got to put them lucky charms away because he's got to grow. That's not what he's talking about. Helping somebody else grow is not nagging. There is a very large distinction between the two. And if you want to be successful in helping somebody else grow, you won't nag them. Amen? Come on, men, stop being afraid. Amen me. All the men are sitting there like, I mean, I wish you'd stop, but I don't know what to say right now. He's got me in a bad spot. <laughs> we grow and we help each other grow. Romans 1, 12. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. Hebrews 10, sorry, verse 24. Let us be concerned for one another. Help one another to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. So the writer of Hebrews was saying, hey, 
Even in the early church, they were having some people that were like, oh, it's not that important to be together. We'll come when we want to come. You know, maybe, maybe Easter and Christmas, it'll be fine. And, um, but no, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, it's important to stay together as a family of believers. It's important to encourage each other. It's important to have those relationships and those conversations about, hey man, what are you walking through? Is there anything I can help you with? Now, let me make a side note here. I'm talking to me and you can listen. All right? People can't help you unless you're willing to be helped. Because what happens is, if people reach their hand out to you to help you and you slap it away enough times, they'll stop sticking their hand out to help you. And I I, I learned this er, sort of early on in ministry when uh, it's, I'll I'll be honest with you, it's weird for me to take help. It just is. I I don't know why. I, I have a disorder. And it's just weird, but what, but, but somebody told me early on, if you don't let me help you, you are, you are stopping the blessing of God from coming to me. And I thought, well, what'd you blame me for? They said, I want to help you. And God is, God is instructing me to help you. But because you're stubborn, you're keeping God from blessing me because I want to help you. I'm like, well, you put it that way. You want to mow my grass? Like, what, what do you want to do? Let's. So the problem is a lot of times there's people wanting to help you, but you won't let them. And if we're going to grow as a family, if you're going to grow, then we have to be willing to take advice from other people. We have to be willing to take criticism from other people. We have to be willing to let other people help us when we need help. Amen. And here's the issue. Sometimes other people know you need help before you do. Mm. My doctor knew I needed help before I did. I wanted malaria pills. He wanted a diet change. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. And he said, listen, you need help. We grow and we help each other. It's a perfect opportunity. If you're not in a group yet, join a group. He said, but I don't know anybody. That, I know, but if you join a group, you will. That's the whole point. You'll all of a sudden be surrounded by people who can help you. All right, two last things. We got to hurry up. We grow when we are expected to grow, and we grow when we're committed to grow. Now listen to this. We grow when we expect to grow. If you wake up in the morning and you don't expect anything to be different, guess what's not going to be different? Anything. Everything will be the exact same way it's always been. There has to be an expectation in your mind that things are going to be different when you start out to grow uh, in God. I'm going to wake up in the morning. Lord, I'm not expecting today to be the same as yesterday. I'm expecting you to give me more grace and to give me more patience and to give me more love. I'm expecting you to do something that, uh, that you haven't done before in my life. I'm waking up with the expectation that today is going to be different. I'm waking up with the expectation I'm going to know more today than I did yesterday. I'm waking up with the expectation. So make it an expectation in your life that you're going to be better. Amen? Make it your own expectation. Then the last one, we grow when we're committed to grow. We don't need any wishy-washiness. Well, I think I might. I might try it. I don't know. If I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. I might try it. I might not try it. I don't know. We'll see. No, make up your mind. I've told people that have sat in my office, make up your mind. Make up your mind. 
Do you know how many, much time is wasted because we can't make up our minds? Make up your mind. Jeremiah 29, 13. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. Make a decision to grow for you and those around you. Make up your mind right now. I'm not going to be the same person in the next 40 days. God is going to do something. God is going to respond to me responding to him. I'm going to push forward towards him, and I know he's going to hear me. He's going to answer prayers. He's going to respond to me, and I'm going to be a different person at the end of these 40 days. If you're married, you should look at your spouse and say, I'm going to be a different person at the end of these 40 days. Some of you are like, oh, thank you, Jesus. If, if, you're, if you're a young person and your, your parents are in, you should look at us. I'm going to be a different person in 40 days. Have the expectation and the commitment to see it happen. And here's what God does. Every time we move towards him, he always moves towards us. He always meets us. He always encourages us. Always supports us. So at the end of 40 days, as a church, we're going to be different. Amen? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Father, I pray the commitments we're making here this morning to grow in you, to just your word, to pray. Lord, I pray that you would begin to bless it even now. I pray that that confirmation would come to people who are wondering if it's even worth it, even now that you'd speak to them, that you'd confirm it in their hearts, that this week there'd be no doubt, no doubt of what you want to do in their lives. And I pray for a commitment, a fervency, Lord, would raise up in us to communicate with you, to learn, to change. Lord, we have a beautiful opportunity here you put in front of us. You've given us all that we need. And we pray, Lord, that with your help, with your blessing, with your anointing, that that the people here in this church would be radically different at the end of this season. And God, because we change, Lord, I pray our whole community would change. I pray, Lord, that this will be the kickoff, God, of a community changing and knowing you more, of a whole community knowing that you love them. Lord, I pray today that it would start today in us, right now, right here. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say, amen and amen. Give him praise and honor this morning. He's good.